to the glue guys this is mike here say hello brian hello check us out on twitter at bk glue guys netsdaily.com itunes five stars we need them we want we have to have them we're also on spotify and various other podcast services brian the nets are not back no not gonna be back for a while are they um so you all are probably were wondering uh, why we didn't pod after the Nets were eliminated from the playoffs. And I'll just be straight up honest with you, uh, at least from my perspective, didn't feel like it. was yeah. depressed. Had Sad. to let those embers cool a bit, you know. <laughs> because yeah. what, what would we have talked about? How sad would that pod have been? Would anyone really have wanted to listen after the Nets got, you know, swept the four games after the winning game one? Would that have been an enjoyable pod for us to do, Bray? Um, no, it would have, it, we probably would have lost most of our audience, um, <laughs> just with the emotional tenor of that, of that loss being what it was. Yeah, it was, it was, um, a, a, a lame ending to an otherwise magical year though. We have to keep that on the forefront of our minds. Okay. Mike. Yeah. So I think that's obviously we're going to talk a little, we are going to talk a little of the Nets playoff, uh, not even a run, a couple of steps, uh, we have some emails, and then at the end, not that anyone's going to care, but Brian and I just want to talk about Game of Thrones, and we'll do it in a recorded fashion. So, I, I'll, I'll give you a, a – uh, this is a, a spoiler-free take. I hated it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like it. And people um, are going to – does everyone not like this show right now? Because I feel like that's the proper take, right? Well, and we can talk about this. I think there's just a lot of – I think last season destroyed a lot of the goodwill that it had built up. Because heading into last season, it was bulletproof, Game mm-hmm. of Thrones was, essentially. Besides the, the the sect of people that just can't get into fantasy at all. Like the group right, of people that right. just didn't want the show. There's like, like – there's there's three kinds of – you know how they have that meme with like the like like the brains that are doing like various like explosions of, of power? And like the first, like not very powerful brain is like I don't do fantasy. The second one is like I only do Game of Thrones for fantasy. And then the third one is like I watched the first five seasons of Game of Thrones and liked it, and now it sucks. That's like the big that that's the big brain take. Right, right. Yeah. So th- that's it. So yeah. I just think a lot has changed over these past two now two, one and a half seasons, and they've allowed they've opened the door for criticism. They opened the door in what season seven, and now season eight. Um, there's like this weird backlash, and we'll get all into it. We're that in doing the it. We're already doing it. We, should, we promised ourselves we wouldn't. You know what? There is a slight – they're not even a slight backlash. There is – there's a sect of Nets fandom that has seemed to bubble up since the playoffs began, um, evaluating whether the Nets were actually really successful this year, considering of what happened in the playoffs. Because if – you know, I, w- I was talking to a couple of people. I was in Boston this past weekend. Um and, you know, I had to be next to Celtics fans, which really sucked. Um, they all know that I do a Nets podcast, and they all were like, they were like, so how'd the Nets do this year? As if as if they did <laughs> not. Like, so you got to wear a hazmat suit around those Boston fans. <laughs> They're toxic. They're radiation. 
Um, and also, it was a delight listening to, you know, rest in peace, John Havlicek, but listening to old guys calling into local sports talk radio about uh, an athlete who played in the 60s or 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. that, especially the old man calling about John Havlicek as being the real reason why the Celtics won all those championships when... Dude, that, that like, the rapid-fire... Terrible boomer takes on the radio is I, I feel bad for the next special. generation that'll never experience that. I had uh, I get to still call my dad on the phone and I get a, a certain dose of it. And my favorite boomer take of his recently was like, you know, when are they going to get rid of that Euro step? It's just an embarrassment to the game. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually a pretty evolutionary step for someone like your father because before it was like a jump shooting team can't win the championship. That's been. That's been destroyed. Now the boomer take is the euro step, which I actually I agree with. Let's, well, of let's course. Get the I mean, euro it's step. the right take, but it's boomerific. You know, it's just <laughs> what do you, you can't put that genie back in the bottle, George. Dude. What are you doing, Brian? New segment: boomer takes. Yeah. Boomer takes. What are we boomer doing? Boomer takes here? is a solid, a solid. Like that's really good. Sh- these shorts to are too long. Like, boomer take. <laughs> boomer take. Um, no, it's like so. I was in Boston. And I was dealing with all these Celtics fans who. Again, knew I had a podcast about the Nets, and I had to deal with all of them. I had to sort of explain, you know, what happened to the Nets in the playoffs. And if we're going to take a bird's eye, a warging crow's eye view of the Nets of the playoffs, they won Game One surprisingly. They got blown out in two and five. Uh, game three was never really in doubt they had a chance, but they're never really in doubt. And Game four was the game that they blew, that the Nets blew. And so, like, if you just looked at that, you'd be like. What a massive disappointment. You know, you are in the playoffs. There's no reason why you you have to lose basketball games. Um, And I think that that sort of disappointment in the playoffs is infecting the regular season. I think it does need to be stated. The Nets were not supposed to be above 500. The Nets were supposed to be bad. And they were a team that, like, the Bulls preseason were getting more buzz to make the playoffs than the Nets were. And the Nets had an incredible year where all these great things happened. You know, Joe Harris led the NBA in three-point shooting, though he forgot how to shoot threes in the playoffs. You know, D'Angelo Russell became an all-star. Karis LeVert ascended to a level that, you know, I didn't even think he had in him already, and he already has ascended to that level. There's, like, all these great things that happened uh, because the playoffs that were, like, so crappy, Bri. It just mm. – it's left – I think it's left a sour – it's, like – it's funny. We even... talked about – well, I don't even want to engage in it. I just want to talk that shit about the 76ers. You know, that's all I really want to do. My my buddy, a towny-ass Philly dude named Murphy, everyone just calls him Murphy or Murph, um, he's got a good Classic. take on this, which is that the best game that the Sixers played was that game three minus Embiid um, and that they should trade Embiid. And to my eye, I <laughs> – and he's a Sixers guy, and you know how they are. I love that. And he's been waiting for this shout-out for, for years. What's up, what's up, what's up Murph? Um, but it's a take that I like because I do think that building a system around Embiid is a, is a tricky thing to do, um, despite how you know otherworldly a talent he is, and he definitely is one. Um, it seemed like not having him out there, that was a that was like, that was was like the game that they were winning most, uh, like, in, like the most like, – efficient sort of stable sustainable way in to my eye as opposed to the, the blowouts where it's just like the nets refused to play defense and 
the Sixers yeah. were hitting every shot. It was just like a weird, yeah, like every other, like like you would come out and have like a weird quarter and the game would just be like over. And, you know. <laughs> the first quarter. <laughs> Whether that's the first or, yeah, or the third um, quarter often. And it's funny, like, so you say that. The Nets lost the series in five games, but yet it seems like the Nets are already still more uh, sure of who they want to be in the future than the 76ers are while the 76ers in the playoffs. Like, that, that team is such – the 76ers are such a weird team. Mm-hmm. It, each game, you know, it, sh- it should be a compliment that each game someone can step up. But with the 76ers, it's like it's only because they don't know what they're doing. And they're just – they are so talented that they were able to – Blow out the Nets in two games and, you know, win out another two games by a decent margin. But they don't have um, it's like it's so interesting what they are. It's because like the way that they run a play for a guy, it's so like they have all these super talented guys that can like, you know, that are like offensively really talented. But you can see the like the J.J. Redick play coming from a mile away. It's like here comes J.J. Redick's turn. It's been three plays since he's touched the ball got to get got to call him a play and now we got we got to do the tobias harris post up in the mid-range he's definitely got to get at least like you know four of those a game right at the very least and it's just like they just run they're like they they took all the attributes of the players and like they didn't like build a team around they're just like okay we got to get each of you like you know six or seven looks at that one thing that you do and that's what we do that's our team well and so okay so i'll just do one big takeaway of the playoffs and then it's not even like that you didn't even you didn't agree with that you didn't like that no, I agreed with it, but I was reading something else as you were talking, right. um, which is normal. Um, um, one big takeaway, and I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna stop talking about the Nets, the playoffs. Good. It's just basically, and this isn't again earth shattering. It proved that the Nets have a ways to go oh, in their yeah. development, right? And it's not that that's not even a big deal because we the talk all the time had been that this was going to be a five-year process, and this is really, like I think, what, year three of Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson? So they they are ahead of schedule, and we all got super excited because they were ahead of schedule, and then we had that now hilarious to listen to pod after game one where we said all these great things about the team because they were true at the time. Um, and now so it's just – there, there is a big gap between where the Nets were in the sixth seed and what the 76ers are right now as the third seed in the East. And the the things that they need are obvious. They need, like, another – like, they need a dude. Like, so Kawhi Leonard um, went off and scored, whatever, 45 points and had 17 rebounds or whatever in the playoff series. Like, they, they just didn't have that performance. There wasn't a guy that was going to do that. You thought D'Angelo Russell could have, and he didn't play poorly or anything, but – he doesn't still not quite mature enough in terms of his basketball development to be like doing that in the playoffs. This is his first experience with it. Um, he matured already a great deal this year in terms of playing basketball, like getting better as a basketball player. And he just didn't have that step left in him in the playoffs so far. It's all new. So it could come next year. I mean, you know, we already put expectations on them next year. If they're not a playoff team next year, that's a big disappointment already. Um, you know, that's it. That's just like, that's the takeaway. It's not that Kenny Atkinson sucks at coaching or, you know, uh, these guys don't play with enough defensive effort, which they just weren't good at defense. It's that they are new and young and didn't expect to be in this position and got thrown into the position because they were successful this year. And it ended up they just, you know, they just didn't have that next step. Hopefully the development, you know, next season. Right, Brian? You got it, dude. Um, Do we have email? 
You want to talk about a little email? <clears throat> yeah, we can jump around. You want to do some of that? I do want to do some of that. Um, as I'm reading um, some stuff. Cherboy, first up is Cherboy Matt Rodbard. Um, you may remember him from his cookbooks last week. Um, he's looking for my address to send me another cookbook. So just wanted to <laughs> to say, Matt, I, need, I owe you an email. Um, next up is Cherboy Robbie Rose one of the members of the Mount Rushmore of the email sphere um, says, what's up, Brian didn't say what's up, Mike. So this is to me um, wow. shocking and hurting. <laughs> and I think that awesome. was because you, you, he, um, I don't know if we addressed this on the show, but there was, he did take issue with when you were making fun of D'Angelo Russell's clothes um, at one point and rightfully yes. so. So the thing that you guys don't know about Mike is he is a mean girl he's a he's a bully full stop (laughs) um and he'll come at your clothes your shoes you know your face whatever it is whatever you're feeling most insecure about that's uh what he thrives on true false and and i can dish but i cannot take right that is also (laughs) right Right. as as is the case with any bully anyways okay so what's up brian i'm a huge levert fan but all of a sudden people are saying that he has a higher ceiling than d-lo what about the painful stretches where he can't shoot mm. every season? Last season, people were gloating over Dinwiddie and said that he might deserve the starting position over D'Lo. I'm a huge Dinwiddie fan, but always thought it was obvious that D'Lo is the one with amazing natural ability. He's an artist. So this is actually so true. So Robbie Rose is an artist. You should check him out. Um, and and he also skateboards, which I also like. A lot of a lot of intersection, you know, of our of our interests. I haven't skateboarded since I was in eighth grade, but I'll, I'll watch a skate video like like that, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyways, he I've noticed that there's a certain contingent of Nets fan and maybe basketball fan that are really beginning to fetishize the way that D'Angelo Russell plays basketball. And it makes a lot of sense to me. Like, it is a particularly attractive version of basketball. Um, thoughts, comments, anything? No? Okay. Well, wait. So so the take is that Lavert is better than – has more well, potential I'm, than here, let me Let me finish. In this playoff series, clearly D'Lo's assists were down because the teammates weren't hitting shots – being matched yes. up with Simmons and Philly Seisman, it's hard for him to find clean shots for himself. Plus, it was his first playoff series. D'Angelo might be hot or cold in games, but he steadily trends upward despite a poor final game. And an average first four games of the playoffs, isn't it obvious that his that he has continued to grow with no signs of going away? He's 23 and led this team all season. What is your take? You guys are amazing this season. Thank you for your time and dedication. Oh. Signed, Robbie. Thank you, Robbie. Um, really you. appreciate the email. Um, love having guys like this around. You know, just just putting in top quality emails day in day out. Um, so, Mike, Levert's ceiling higher than Dilo? That's really what it comes down to. No, it's not. Um, it could only be if Levert suddenly, like, actually, really does discover a shot and it becomes like a, a consistent thirty-eight percent three-point shooter and all that stuff. Love Levert, fantastic potential. He showed up in the playoffs in a major way, but like if you were, if you were going to rely a team on one of those two players, you would rely it on D'Angelo Russell. I think Levert is like it's one of those things where like there's probably more teams in the league that would rather have Levert than D'Angelo just because he fits more soundly into any system and he isn't going to hog the ball. I'm not saying that D'Lo does, but he is a high usage player. But D'Lo does like the special things put the ball in the basket where like Levert is getting there, but he, he doesn't have that level of game. He's the more all around sort of great, awesome dude to have. Um, It is interesting about this, like 
What are you making of all the the talk between the, the Nets not exactly fully embracing D'Angelo Russell is coming back here? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. <clears throat> and also, did you see that Rondé Hollis Jefferson cleaned out his Instagram of all mentions, not all mentions, but all, like all the Nets pictures? I mean, he, he cleans out his Instagram all the time, but... Um, it's such a weird thing to do. Do do you think agents like you know agencies and marketing agencies tell their the players to do that for dude, some reason? I bet reason? it even Is comes it... from the NBA itself too. Like these guys, you know, they they have. I think they probably have like classes for for this stuff that are like semi mandatory. You know. Well, I don't know if you saw this, but the NFL draft was this weekend, and so the Arizona Cardinals picked number one. And they took Kyler Murray, and while they already had a very young recent draft pick at quarterback Josh Rosen and Rosen after the Cardinals made their pick immediately unfollowed the Cardinals on Instagram which became a story and then he gets traded because well he had to get traded and it's like like for one thing so it's a calculated decision by some people like Rondé to remove some of these Nets things I'm not saying it's bad calculation it's just someone made the thought of like hey you should clear out the Nets things or just do it now uh, but like, why? Like, what? Like, what would? What is he trying? Like, what would be the point? Like, what would that? Beyond like, he just wants to clear out his Instagram. I don't know. The the Instagram social media analysis of players is mm. is wild today. Um, mm-hmm. Brian, the Nets are back. Um, yeah. So I get get the I I don't know the Levert Dilo dichotomy seems. Um, only seems super relevant in a world where we're staring down the gun of getting Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis, you know, and um, that's right. a problem I'd like to have. Um, but yes, but um, I mean, I, yeah, I said this before. No one wants to hear it. Is that Lavert playing way better uh, makes the Nets uh, much more competitive in trade packages? And I'm, and I'm not calling for Lavert to get traded. I'm just saying that's the the case, right? Because when Levert Levert was always desired around the league from what we understand by like multiple teams have been trying to trade for Karis Levert for years now. Uh, Now Karis Levert is sub all-star level when healthy. So like just below all-star level. So him continuing to play that way, he becomes the centerpiece of a package. So it's like, okay, Brandon Ingram ended up playing well at the end of the Lakers season, but like, honestly, like, there'd probably be more teams that'd rather have Karis LeVert on their team than, like, a Brandon Ingram type. So, like, the Nets are beginning to just develop pieces that not only are good for their team, are attractive to other teams. And the trades that Marks can make, he's been a wizard at doing the salary dumps. He can maybe, maybe he can also show that he can pull off, you know, a, a, an even bigger swing, whether that's trading LeVert. Hopefully, hopefully not. We want him to be on the team for the rest of his life, you know. Mike, where are Deadspin's offices located? I think pretty close to me here in I, Chelsea. I'm going to show up there and start knocking some heads around, I think, because if they put out another, just one more article about Kevin Durant and what's his face, Kyrie going to the Knicks, I'm going to lose my mother loving mind. <laughs> it's too much. As every day they're pumping out stories about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving going to the Knicks. What is this? It's, what the hell is going on? It's almost it's almost like uh, Game of Thrones, where we were told for years that like Danny and John would finally meet up in some way, or that we'd get the John parentage reveal. Like I'm fine that we preview it a couple of times, but to talk about it constantly, I don't care. 
Actually, at this point, like if when when Durant signs with the Knicks, which he may, I don't think I'll care. I'm I'm already I've been through that. I've been through the thought process. I've already thought about it and look like what that team may look like. It already, already feels like that team exists. I know. I feel like I've visualized him in the jersey already, and it's like, yeah, that's that happens. But I hate that that Deadspin made that happen to me. Stay, get away from it. Stop it. <laughs> um. I do want it's this is going to be such an interesting offseason man. It's like so we have an article on Nets Daily about Tobias Harris whether he's a target for the Nets and of course he is. Um he would be a max contract guy and I loved what I saw from him in the playoff series because like while he may not be like the dude, he is a dude and you know would be good but it's like the Nets could go in four different directions and all of them would be good. It's just is like what direction are they going to go into? Um and each direction is totally different. Like, one is, like, Kawhi Leonard. And then this team is centered around a guy who doesn't really like to speak. Or it could be Kevin Durant if we're that fortunate. And that would be just a game-changing move on all fronts. Or it could be, let's just stay the course. It, the, it's incredible, like, the, mm. the pivot point that this team is into. And, like, what probably is the most likely is just that, like, they're going to stay the course and probably, probably pay someone – a lot of money for just one year just to like bring in additional talent. Speaking of someone who's getting paid a lot of money for just one more year, uh, your boy, Sean, good friend, a good friend of the show says, Hey, first, uh, first off season email. What do you think the nets should do with Alan crab? Should they keep him? Does it depend on who they could sign? I.e., don't trade him unless they know they need the room for Butler slash Tobias slash Durant free agent if you think he needs to get traded what would you give up as a sweetener the nuggets first the Knicks second musa what could we expect to get in return does the playoffs change how you think about him uh how you think of him we miss his shooting dearly um so mike was a big he was beating his his alan crab drum um i was trying to think of something like a bucket maybe like for do they come in a bucket crab bucket is that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's just like a bucket works. It's a piece of parchment paper is usually what it is. Um, yeah, that's true. Anyways, so he was doing something like that, and uh, <laughs> and uh, so so you definitely are um, you're speaking his lingity. But Mike, what to do? What to do here, buddy? Here's the unfortunate thing, and we all the draft is before free agency, so the best scenario would have been. The Nets try to figure out what they're going to do in free agency, whether they actually need the space. Because if they don't need the space, you keep Alan Crabb, you keep the draft pick that they would have to give up to get rid of him. And because they do need him, it was in that it was Sean talked about this. They need him in the playoffs. Like, I mean, they would have looked better. The Nets would have looked better if they had Alan Crabb out there. Even with my history with Alan Crabb, I can even say. They would have been a better team. They needed someone to hit threes, and maybe he would have had just one game, and maybe that one game would have been game three or four, and that would have been just a – I mean, wouldn't have changed the series completely, but it would have altered the series somewhat. Um, so, like, if they got rid of Alan Crabb, it's one of those situations where then they would have to get someone to replace him. And, you know, that's not that that's the hardest thing in the world to do because he hasn't been that good, but they would have to replace him. Um, so th- it's unfortunate that the draft is before free agency because they're, they're not going to have any clue whether they need the salary cap space unless if someone like Tobias Harris says, 
I'm coming to Brooklyn. I'm going to come to Brooklyn. Just give me the room and I'll be there. Or for some reason, now they do want Jimmy Butler, you know, the same sort of scenario. So what's going to happen is, oh gosh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if Marks is the type of guy, the type of GM that would uh, preemptively clear space without having a, a strong sense that he's going to use it, right? Like, I don't. I don't see him just throwing away assets just for the hope that someone's going to come. Yeah, I mean, it's um, definitely, like, useful at this. It's a finally so, somewhat in the spectrum of useful that you have that amount of space to clear in just one year. I mean, it's a it's a it's definitely a tradable contract. He's not a complete net loss, like, on the basketball court. Like, he can do interesting things and maybe just needs a better fit or whatever it is or a fresh start. Um, so there's, like, there's that element to it, but... Um, like it's definitely not worth just firing it off in order to like, you know, clear that space. Um, when there is so many, so many different kind of trade prospects afloat, um, that you could definitely match them with. Well, and and that's the thing. So much of the focus of the Allen Crab trade is connecting the Nuggets pick, maybe the Nets own first round pick or the Knicks second round pick to Allen Crab to get rid of him off the team, but. If the Nets are operating in a world where they don't know if any max free agents are really going to come to their team, we're talking about Kawhi Levin, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, all those guys, you actually want Alan Crabb around to, to be thrown into trades because his contract immediately fits in nicely if you're going after, we don't know if they're targeting these players, but just, just say someone like Kevin Love. If they're targeting someone like Kevin Love, who has a really big salary, you put Alan Crabbs expiring into that. That team gets Alan Crabb on an expiring deal. Then they can get whatever for a first round pick and Musa and, you know, I don't know, something else. But like Alan Crabb becomes helpful. We saw at the trade deadline what happened when they didn't have someone like Kenneth Fareed to trade and give away. The Nets couldn't make a deal at the deadline for the most part because they didn't really want to, but also because they didn't really have anyone that was expendable. Every guy on their team. Guys that they would have traded, they just didn't want to because they didn't have expendable salary. Alan Crabb was the only expendable, quote, expendable salary, and they he was that no no team was just going to suddenly take that on for for nothing. Fareed was that salary slot that they that Marks let him go because Sean Marks wants to treat players properly, and that's something that should be rewarded or, or praised a little bit. But he let an asset go for nothing the salary slot of Kenneth Fareed. Um, I don't think he's just going to trade away Alan Crabb um, unless they have a strong sense. Now, at the deadline, there was that report. What was it, like Memphis? Like there was talk that Memphis and the Nets were going to trade, make a trade where Alan Crabb would go to Memphis and they would get a first-round pick and the Nets would get like two, you know, low-cost role players. So it's it's out there. It's in the air. It's not just us talking. It's like in the air in Brooklyn. But I, I, st- I don't know. I don't think he just makes that move just to clear the space in the hope that they can get someone. They, I feel like they're going to want to have to know that someone's coming because cl- then you don't. I mean, you know, you don't want to just dump assets for, you know, just clear space for nothing, basically. Nice, Mike. Hot take. <clears throat> Next. <laughs> Next up is Trib- was that uh, Boomer take? Come on, yeah, That's Boomer take. Cheerboy uh, Stefan five thirty. That's a cool name. Um, now that the season is over, 
Will we get a season's award pod? Hey, this guy's been a long time. First time you can tell, although he didn't mention Thank it. Thank you, buddy. Um, or maybe it's not a first time. I can't remember. Um, but anyways, thanks for a chance, Stefan. Um, and if so, who will win the annual Quincy AC award, AKA the yearly failed attempt at a small ball five that will not return for next season. <laughs> I think, I think RHJ is a sure front runner in this category, but I can make a strong case for JD or Carol not making a return for next season. What do you think? Who do you think will obtain the coveted annual Quincy AC award? Um, so like, yes, we will do an off season awards pod just only because you asked for it. And that's all that, that's all that it, it takes for us to just, you know, do a handstand, you know, just say the word and we'll do it. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get that done. We'll, we'll maybe, maybe next week we'll, we'll formulate, we'll do the, we'll do the end of the season awards pod. The um, thing, the, the, the problem is one of the quintessential, the quintessence of the Quincy AC awards, mm-hmm. Mike, is <laughs> that you, that he isn't really he's like he lied on his resume right that's well that's also the justin hamilton i lied on my resume award so that's yes. a different that's a different award but quincy ac is sort of in the same milieu um in that he, he you you didn't really want him to be in the game and he's pretty much and though travion graham had a very nice february how dare you <laughs> don't he, you dare go he re- don't he you got, dare disparage he, mr graham on my way he's he got he flew so far under the radar that he wasn't even mentioned in your email and now Mike is triggered out of his life, um, but the, one has to look at Travion Graham as a good yes. as a good example of the Quincy's um, a prospect. Now we'll have to like, actually take that to the podium next week or whatever it is. Um, but I want that to I want to put that bug in your ear, Stefan Five Thirty. I have a different candidate, but I'll save it for next week. You dirty uh, dog. Another next. Um, all right. Any more? Should we take a break and then? Everyone Take. who doesn't care about Game of Thrones can just perfect. Yeah. So after after the break, the we're just gonna prattle on about Game of Thrones. So um, quit now. Just do it. All right, Brian. Game of Thrones. Um, the the Game of Thrones breakdown that no one wanted, no one asked for, but we're gonna do anyways. Mm-hmm. New segment. Oh, okay. We don't even we don't even want it. <laughs> um, you're not feeling too hot about it. I'm just, just I'm just really thoughts. I feel bad for the people that are so entrenched in their opinion that this show is good that they're out there in the world being like heckin' good episode, right, dudes? Like that um that was a tragic <laughs> epi- that was a tragic example of just how they've lost control over the plot of this show and where it should go. It's just a this is a prime example of this is like the reverse of jumping the shark. This is the anti jumping the shark. This is the setting up a final battle with like the the bad guy and just stabbing him. And that's it. <laughs> that's, that's what you did. You stabbed the bad guy. Um so I liked the episode. Oh my god. I, this, is, this should be rich. Okay, this is what I'm going to ask you. When you were watching that episode for 90 minutes, it had problems, and I'll go through the problems that I had, but I don't really think that's all that important, but I'll go through them. When you were watching it, were you entertained? Were you... I was on pins and needles. Pins and needles. I was on both of those. Dude, dude, okay, I know what you're getting with this. Like you can like this is the same as like if you're on a roller coaster like oh yeah you weren't like scared and thrilled to be on that roller coaster it's like yeah okay there's like certain things you can do to make things like feel like I've got like you know goosebumpy vibes and like oh, oh cool like wow cool thing 
But like this is years of of narrative buildup to what amounts to I can't even begin to explain the disappointment of just stabbing the bad guy. It really, really, truly, it's an embarrassment on so many levels. Okay, like here, so... I can even I can think of two better plot lines. I just did it right before we got on this thing. Okay, Tell just me. In, in just in a way to kill the bad guy. <clears throat> Everybody's you know. Winterfell's all blown up. Everything's all terrible. Everyone's going to die. First of all, everyone was like dying that whole thing. And then somehow the only, only the blame characters died and everyone that's cool is fine. So like no, no harm, no foul there. Um, (laughs) And then then anyway, so like maybe I would have killed a couple more like interesting characters, but um, all in rubble night King going up to Bran in his wheelchair, about to chop off his head, whatever it is. Bran stands up and then stabs him, takes off his face. It's Arya. At least, at the very least, set me up with something like that. Use, okay, use so Arya's that skill. I can't, I, I'll, that could not have happened because Bran is marked by the Night King. So it has to be Bran in the chair. I'll just say it. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm, I know they don't really necessarily abide by the rules of, oh of like God, their own story. Dude, listen listen to this. The Night King, the Night King isn't going to fall for for a Mission Impossible style mask reveal because he he marked Bran. He has he has magical powers himself, so he has some sense who Bran is. I'm just saying. What is she? She can just inhabit Bran's body. Okay, fine. How about have Bran warg into the Night King as he's killing him, and then Bran's inside the night. There's 15 million better ideas. I could just I could just be sitting on the toilet and think of five. Than just stabbing okay. him. <laughs> Didn't even use her like face-off skill. Just so jumped out of the here, woods. Here's what I'll say. Okay. I don't think – I did. this is me going into it. This is all about expectations than desires, right? I think a lot of what watching Game of Thrones is boiled down to is they are a victim of their own success. And they've hyped it up themselves as much as anyone. So it's not like they're they are blameless in this. But – People are expecting such an extraordinary amount of newness to happen within storytelling from Game of Thrones because the seasons th- two, three, four, whatever, when we got, you know, um, the Red Wedding and we got Ned Stark's head getting chopped off and we had all these moments that we've never really seen before uh, in a story, because they have all of those leading up into now this final point, people are expecting Red Wedding level shock and awe, right? Uh, That's what I think. So I think when they unfortunately don't have the books to rely on and they don't have uh, the genius of George R. R. Martin to rely on uh, at this very end, they're kind of going more with what the normal formula of storytelling is. Yeah, they're, um, they're, they're remaking some really some really lame old fashioned stories. And I, the problem I is liked it. I liked they, it. they are completely out of their depth with how to handle the mysticism in the yeah. supernatural elements and tying any of the like high power level bros together in, in a meaningful way. They are way out of their depth. Okay. So what really needs to have, uh, what, what needed to have happened um, last season, whenever brand got that, like the matrix style download of the history of the, the white Walker, when he saw the <laughs> obsidian being placed into the guy's chest, we needed actually like two episodes of that. And we needed, like a like some kind of context from the Night King beyond because like we didn't know what the Night King wanted to do before the episode of last week when Bran just said you know in his way he was just like he wants me he's gonna come for me okay so we learned that and then he comes for him and then the Night King's dead like give us a little history of the magic here give us a little bit why is the Night King important 
I don't care if I ha- if you just have some crappy character like Max von Sydow's character of the th- of the three ra- three eyed Raven or whatever. Just explain this stuff to us. I know it's just an exposition dump, but we need that exposition to care about this shit. Um, Dude, I'll, I'll even go I, one further. So yeah. like, yes, all the, there's all the like the big picture like macro problems of like they're completely unable to to tie in any of the other plot lines from the previous seasons. Fine, whatever. Even just on a pure like I'm trying to follow what's happening in the stupid battle like level, it's like there's so much dumb things going on. So first of all, one of my favorite parts is like line up all right everybody line up like middle eastern guys you're up front black guys you're behind them like white bros you guys hang by the castle <laughs> that that part of it it was a little like the optics are like hey now hey people yeah um and yeah. then of course like jorah is the first person to come back from all the dothraki people um jorah mm-hmm. what what happened dude you you ditch your you ditch your guys out there why are we sacking all the dothrakis right off the bat um also like in, in each, each of these moments so like Okay, then we have, like, the Unsullied dude, um, and, like, you think that they're, like, having to make this big decision, like, oh, am I going to have to, like, wall off my guys and kill them? Uh, and then, like, he does, he, like, it seems like he's making that decision, and then they just retreat back into the castle. Nothing happens. And then, like, I feel like I saw Sam die 15 times, and he's never dead, and yeah. it was, like, a real mess. I'm sorry, that episode was a, a true, a true mess. I'll just do quick dislikes, but then I'll defend. Quick dislikes. Um... <laughs> Obviously, everyone's talking about this. This is like the story on like every uh, because you can't talk spoilers in the news. So like, mm-hmm. but like, but the thing they could talk about is that like the episode was too dark, and I think there were like some real flaws in the way they shot it. One thing it was like too dark. Yes, it was too dark. You're like, you know, they keep comparing it to Helm's Deep. If you were Helm's Deep from you know Two Towers, if you remember that battle, like yes, it was in the dark, but you could see everything because it was a professional production and they lit it. Um, I also everyone was really confused. I was as a, as I was when Arya stabbed the Night King. It looks like she drops the knife, and it looks like she's going to stab him in the leg. And then we we zoom out and we see her stabbing him in the chest. It's like it's because you guys shot it in a way that made it look like she was a, she dropped the knife at his leg. And then and then when we zoom out, it's at his chest. It's like I don't know. Reshoot that. You don't need to bring in Macy Williams in and the guy who played the Night King in to reshoot that. That's a bad shot and it confused people those I are people... your two, those are your two... <laughs> that's funny that that's bring that knife up a little higher <laughs> just bring the knife up higher because because here's the thing we talked about this they refuse to explain a lot of the mystical elements of the show they just let it be that these things are happening and they're not explaining brand's power they're not explaining really the night king suddenly he's storm from x-men and he can create a storm of ice and whatever snow and all that crap um so they're not explaining anything. So at least shoot it correctly. Okay, fine. And then there weren't enough deaths, as you said. More people should have died. There, more like, people that all, we care about. All should of have those, plus also just the the bare bones mechanics of how people are getting where they're going. Like, okay, so <clears throat> Jorah's inside the castle fighting a bunch of dudes. Daenerys Targaryen lands. Somehow he warps from that wall of dead people to like way outside the castle, wherever they are. To like, like they just like did not care about any kind of continuity. They're just like, we're just whenever somebody's in trouble, we'll just have like another person pop out of their butts, and it's fine. Everything's fine. We'll just and nobody important's gonna die. Don't worry. <laughs> like, and also like the the Red Witch is there. All they could think to do is have her light things on fire. 
That's the that that is that's the, what she does. That's what she all those seasons that are like leading up to like their like their destiny. The my my destiny as the as the guy with the light is that I like am able to like die in a hall to like three random zombies in order to save Arya Stark. That's that's what my whole plot destiny was leading up to, and the witch person just lights a few trenches on fire and a few swords on fire. It's just. It's just I can't I don't know, Mike. I'm having having trouble justifying okay. watching this show. Here here's what here's what the defense of and my enjoyment of, okay? This is gonna go um, on and on of us just ranting and raving about this. <laughs> Everyone's gone. It's, it's just us. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> We're just having a conversation. We got to see dragons fight. Super cool. Don't get to see that much. We saw dragons fight. That's awesome. It. You are there. There. You are the clientele they are looking for, Mike. Dothraki <laughs> swords being lit on fire. While that's all the red woman did, she you lit like stuff that. on fire. That was cool to see. You like and it was that. cool to see them extinguish. Very exciting. I'm in for Arya being the hero. I'm in for it not being John or being Danny who killed the Night King. I'm in for it being, you know, a person who's actually struggled, like in really like really like her whole life has been leading. Up until this moment, like John, yeah, he died and is brought back to life for a reason. And that's it's actually interesting to see what because the Red Woman says um, Beric Dondarrion was brought back for a reason all those times. So he could save Arya from all those, you know, all the whites or whatever. Um, so then why did why did the Lord of Light bring John back? Or whatever I don't know. It's a whole thing, and that's another thing. I'm like, I'm not gonna get like, cause like that's the thing. If you try to live by any of the rules of the show, like this thing happens, so all these things should be following the same pattern. You're just gonna go insane because then if it's this, it's not real life, so it's not basic. Um, I don't know. I thought I, as watching it, I was super into it and on edge, and I was seeing things I have never seen before on television, or frankly, in most movies. And I'm in for Arya. So, unfortunately, when I mean, when she stabs him in the chest, you know, I didn't really want, like, this, like, magical deus ex machina of, I don't know, Bran pulling something out of a warging mind and warging into a dragon. And or, I, I didn't really want that. I wanted, actually, someone who is human killing a Night King. Like, I wanted... No, you know, no, you didn't. You didn't. I you didn't know that. what you wanted. You I would was have happy really, to see it. You didn't. You didn't know what you wanted, and you would have really preferred something better. But you're just not able. You're not in a position to admit it because you're a committed normie, and normies <clears throat> got a norm. You know, that's your. I just and also, you know, I was excited for it, but I'll be honest, I don't really. I never cared about the Night King. The show never made me care for him. Like they, no, yeah, that's the I, thing. I think that's fine too. But if you're going to like, it, in, like if you're going to create this imperative in the show over this amount of time, and like. All this, so the whole thing is with this, like you know, deterministic fate stuff with Bran, and like you know, he's Bran's, you know, from the days of the first like three-eyed um, Raven is like him and this Night King's dude's fate are like super intertwined, and he's like traveling back and forth in time, and the guy's like hunting him down and Hodor and all that stuff, and then none of those other like mystical elements cohere into anything beyond area jumping out of the woods and stabbing him. It's just, you know, you know what the real answer here is, Mike, you know, in your heart. That's true. All of that's true. All of it's true. I just, I, I'll defend the episode. It was a fun ride. <laughs> um, I saw good stuff. I don't see. I, again, I, Dude, just I don't go watch need... Chronicles of Narnia. Like you're, that's better. I, you should go watch stop. that. That movie is awful. 
the <laughs> series of movies. Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> no. And also, again, didn't really care about the Night King. So I'm happier that the conclusion of the show is based around Cersei and what's going to happen in King's Landing than, than what is happening with the Night King at Winterfell. Just I'm glad that's the structure of the show. Um, so I was OK. I bought my ticket last night. If I'm buying a ticket. OK. The reason I bought my Game of Thrones ticket last night was to see a spectacle. And that's what it was. There's problems with it. I just don't. I didn't. I didn't need to be like shocked and awed and surprised at the ending of how this, we got to where we but got. But this is like it's, I think that you just touched on the exact the core problem of 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 this whole thing. It's like we the reason that people signed up for Game of Thrones is not because it's a spectacle. It's because it's the opposite. It's a thoughtful like critique on all of the tropes of fantasy that are always about the stupid spectacle and this is like a, supposed to be a th- more thoughtful character analysis driven sure thing and yes. now we're, we're just we're just getting hammered with spectacle that's that's the opposite well, of what we want well the, and that but that was my problem with the night king overall at least with the way show the show did him because in the end he was a seemingly uh, a villain without motive until we're told that he wants to kill bran it's like okay, um, okay. He wants to kill Bran. I'm, that that doesn't mean that much to me because I didn't like Bran in the show, anyways. Because he sucks in the show. I mean, he's just. A, I mean, unfortunately, he's a detached, um, you know, fortune teller who has no like he. At the, what, I mean, I didn't like when he said to Theon, "You're a good man." Like that's like that's a meme in and of itself. It's like you're a good man. It's like oh my god. Okay, but it's all fine. I just. I enjoyed the show. I was happy it was Arya. Arya made me the happiest. Out of all the people that could have killed him, Arya was the person I most wanted to see kill him. <clears throat> wasn't John, wasn't Danny. Um, I'm happy the show is focused now is gonna be more focused on what's gonna be happening at King's Landing with Cersei. Um I'm, obviously we're headed for some kind of Danny John clash as well. That's where the show is as you said, the show was interesting because not because it was it had dragons, but because it had like you know, at least for me, like people like Tyrion or Littlefinger, people who were, you know, schemers. Um, there was, I'm more interested in that. So last night's episode, all I really wanted to see was dragons fighting, and I got that. So I'm happy. I'm happy, Bri. That's my takeaway. I could not have <clears throat> a lower opinion of this show at this point. I'm going to continue watching it. Just, and I think that the real, like, <laughs> the, the real, like, five head genius, you know, conspiracy level take on this thing is that hbo knows that they're putting out like high cinematic value crap in order to create the kind of discourse that we have here today and really truly i think we're in a media ecosystem now where um discourse is more valuable than than you know making good stuff so in that way they're knocking it out of the park you know totally yeah and the the big problem that they're facing is that they have been facing for like three seasons now is that I think it's like the HBO like looked at the contracts of all the people that they signed on the show and realized we can't we don't have these people in perpetuity so we have to jam this show they're basically sticking five seasons worth of show into like two seasons and what gets lost is the complexity and all the sort of reasons why we should be caring about the things that are happening. All the things that we got before uh, in the show that we love so much, we're not getting now. And it's like, and in the end, like, okay, so like the Theon storyline, which everyone has hated the entirety of the show, it pays off because by him charging at the Night King, you know, 
which is like that's the payoff you're, you're saying that, you're satisfied that, with that payoff no no that's what i'm saying it's like <laughs> yeah. we were subjected to you know the shows yeah. I, I, every minute of the show is precious because we don't we now we're at the end and like looking back there's so much that you could focus on within the show that you know they cut a lot out of the books they cut even whole storylines just completely discarded the storyline that they preserved is a theon storyline that no one cared about and the payoff was him charging into his death uh at the night king because now he's a good man which is like all right well if that was the end game with theon we could have discarded him and put in brienne of tarth for like brienne should have been the person guarding you know did I tell you Boy, I saw the guy that plays Theon Greyjoy at a barbecue place in Palm Springs in the middle of nowhere in the desert? I love it. I'm there for that. He's there with his family. He was and two kids. I'm assuming they were his kids. And he was ripping cigarettes like a maniac, smoking like a beautiful. Yeah. That's the Theon I want. I want that Theon. I don't want yeah. the one. It's fine. And, I'm and happy. they told him it was a two hour wait, and they didn't recognize him. And he was like, "Really?" And they're like, "Yep." <laughs> He's like, "All right, fine." Erg. <laughs> Um, Theon's greatest contribution to mankind is that he launched the John Wick franchise because he was the he was the inciting incident that pushed John Wick back into uh, the world of assassins and death. And so, Theon, thank you for that. Theon, don't need to see you getting tortured for three seasons. And then the thing that you do at the end is just to get killed. Didn't really. I mean, don't. That's fine. All, All all okay and fine. Um, I, I think like they that. also tried to wring like emotional worth out of like the uh, the third crow guy getting killed. Like I don't even know that guy's name. I don't know the yeah. girl. The like the weird like king girl's name. Don't know who you. I mean, I know who you are, but like, don't care. Oh, the little girl, Liana. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's all that. Stuff. I anyway. mean, I like that too. I was in. I was in for her stabbing a giant in the eye. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I as, as as long as like, if you got to go, that's fine. That's that's. I actually don't have any problem with that one. But like the Lord of Light guy getting like, I, I thought he died four times. Legitimately, he got you know stabbed. Like every time I, they look back, and he's getting stabbed in a hallway. Yeah. It's like four more shots of them looking back, like, oh, <laughs> and he's still running with them. Yeah. Anyways, I think, I, it's kind of nuts that like Gray Worm is still alive. Um, like, and that so, and that you know, it it is easy to criticize the strategy of TV shows and or movies of like these big plans that they they have of like, but like, what was the what was the benefit of the Darth Dothraki like charging at the dead? Why, if they had this trench scheme, why didn't they just light the trenches and stay inside the castle? The whole point of having a castle is that uh, people can't get past your walls, mm-hmm. so why not have all your strength, you know? inside the walls and then if they breach your walls then you attack them like that's they they I, really did deserve to die in that battle that strategy they all deserve to die was was yeah. terrible they have the fire and then the 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 zombies just like sacked four guys laid on top of it that was it that was the whole plan up oh, that was yeah. it whoops spent a whole lot of time making that trench i know i know but i wasn't <laughs> again i was not watching to learn a new thing about the way a military should attack the castle. I was watching to see people I cared about for all of these years die, die. and they didn't. Only the people they you didn't, didn't care die. about. <laughs> okay, that's like my one big criticism. Okay, there anyways, weren't enough. Deaths. We could go around and around in circles. One last oh, thing: if they don't yes, you, give me the the other Clegane brother or whatever, a cool like that's that's the one I haven't seen that guy fight. He's been a zombie forever. He's just been stuck in that suit, intimidating people, not doing a damn thing. 
give me something good here. I want to see what your powers are. That's that's my stupid spectacle of you know that's the, the spectacle I'm I'm interested in. You're you're 100 right. We we need that. Um, both dragons are alive, and we're heading for an Arya John clash. But so this is, this is where this is where my expectations are. Like I want to see something cool from the zombie knight. Like that's that's I could be nine years old, and that could be my take. And we didn't really. <laughs> I will say this. There's one other criticism, and oh. I'll just address it. <laughs> people are like, people are like saying, how how could the Night King fall for this this young woman? Uh, how could she slip past all the other zombie people and kill the Night King? I'll just say this: the Night King is while powerful and has like this magical power, not all knowing and all seeing. And you know, they they were all human at one point, and they all had exhibited human qualities, like when he. Now this sucks. I know I sound so lame saying this, but he smiled after Danny shot him with dragon fire. He showed signs of like being like being human, but being human is being, being flawed. Being so like human. <laughs> these 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 snow zombies were also flawed okay. creatures. Here's, They're not like here's perfect. The, here's the problem with that though. You just set up a whole like weird long Metal Gear Solid scene where she kind of sucked at avoiding like four zombies in a library, and then now we're surrounded with like 30, 30 zombies in a phalanx, and somehow she got around them like no problem. You set up this sure. whole thing where it's like sure. it's hard to get away from these things, and then completely just disobeyed the own like your own logic, you know, in the same movie in the same episode. That is a good point, but that was a fun again. Uh, it's a fun ride it's a fun ride all right mike let's get out of here nobody wants to hear this they're all gone anyways everyone's gone we don't have to say goodbye honestly if you're all listening at this point i apologize um but thank you for listening netsdaily.com at pk glue guys on twitter we'll be back we will do the season wrap up uh big show with the awards we'll come up with some new ones too because i think our awards from the last time were formatted for a show for for a team that the team stunk so that's why we have the justin hamilton the quincy ac um the randy foy the randy mm-hmm. foy is more of a preseason award but uh the randy foy i really don't want to see you touch the basketball ever that's my randy foy award um so we'll do that we'll do that together and we'll come up with some good categories and thank you all for listening wow thanks everybody hey <clears throat> mike thanks for having me on bud thanks man okay well thank you yeah boy <laughs>